If you're new to Destiny, my name's Matt Bell. I'm the pastor here at the church. I just want to say welcome. So glad to have you here with us today. We're going to spend a little bit of time in God's Word this morning. We believe that the Bible is the Word of God. We believe what it says about itself, that it is God-breathed, that these are not the words of men, but that these are the words of God. We believe that God has spoken, therefore we should listen. We ought to pay attention to what God has said. Amen. And so right now at, at Destiny, we're in a series called The Church, and we're going through and we're looking at the great doctrines of the church and what the Bible says about the church. But for Mother's Day today, we're going to pause that series, and I want to look at what God's Word says about mothers today. And of course, again, to all the mothers, I want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to you as well. If you do have your Bibles, open with me to Genesis chapter 1. The scriptures will not be on the screen this morning, so uh, pull out your Bible and or pull out your Bible app, and we'll be going through them, uh, these scriptures together. We're going to look at five or six passages of scripture today. But before we do that, I, I just want to honor the great mothers that I have had in my life, starting first and foremost with my own mother, Jody Bell a faithful, faithful woman of God. Many of you knew her, many of you didn't. She went home to be with the Lord in 2018 at the, year, at the age of 59. She was an amazing mother, and I just honor her today, and I thank God for her and for her life. Amen. I also want to honor my mother-in-law, Angie Pittman, who is here this morning. We need to keep Angie in prayer. Amen. We need to keep her in prayer. She has a broken foot, and God's going to heal her and raise her up quickly. Amen. And I thank God that she's also a faithful, faithful woman of God and produced for me the greatest gift that God has ever given to me, and that, of course, is my wife, Heather Bell, who is also an amazing mother and woman of God. As far back as I can trace in my family... The women have been godly. Those are my moms, Jody and Angie, but my grandmothers, Ruth Bell and Josie Hale, both faithful women of God. Going even beyond that to my four great-grandmothers, Viola Bell and Esther Coote, Elsie Newman and Mildred McCormick, all faithful, godly women who served the Lord. Even on my great-grandfather's side, his mother and his grandmother, that would make them my great-great-grandmother and great-great-great-grandmother, faithful women of God. I, I, am, I am blessed today by the faithful women of God that have poured into my family, to poured into my life throughout the generations of my family. I dug up one picture I wanted to share with you. Some of you who knew my grandma, Ruth Bell, you might, you might find this picture humorous. That's, that's me, that's, that's, that's little Pastor Matt there with his sippy cup and banana. And that's my grandmother, Ruth Bell. She would be mortified that I'm showing you this picture because she's in her pajamas. 
Nevertheless, there she is teaching me the word of God. That's what she's doing right there. That's why I have that terrified look on my face. She is preaching and teaching God's word to me from, from the earliest age I can remember. She uh, instilled God's word in my life, and there is a picture of that. I, I remember that moment. I remember the story she told me. She was telling me the story of how God spoke to Samuel at an early age and called him out by name and how God speaks to us and how we can hear his voice. And she, when she, she just was really intense when she would talk about God in the Bible. And so anyway, I just wanted to share that little moment with you. The Bible has a high view of motherhood. God's word has a very high view of motherhood. This morning, I've, I've titled this message, Motherhood, Hard Work, High Calling. Motherhood, Hard Work, High Calling. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today. Lord, in a, in a day and age where everyone's thoughts and opinions are so easily accessible and so easily expressed. Today, as we gather as your people, we gather to hear your thoughts, to hear your truth, the truth. Lord, I pray that you would help us to think about these issues of, of motherhood in a godly way. Lord, we know our world has a lot to say about gender, we know our world has a lot to say about sexuality. We know our world has a lot to say about motherhood. At the end of the day, all of that will be in the dustbin of history, but your word will never pass away. Your world, word will never fade away. And so, Lord, let us as your people have minds trained by your word, souls filled with your word. Let it be fruitful in our lives and, and let the word of God this morning be a blessing to everyone who is here today and especially the mothers on Mother's Day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, God has a very high view of mothers and motherhood. Our culture does not. The culture today, the culture we live in, Western culture, the United States of America, where we live today Oftentimes, a mother is looked down on. A woman is looked down on. If she wants to get married, have kids, work in the home, and raise the children and support her husband. If that is the, the ambition of a woman today, in our culture, that is not celebrated at all. At all. Many times, women today are made to feel inferior if that is their heart's desire. Oftentimes, they are accused of selling themselves short or not contributing to the household or not reaching their full potential. Or even worse yet, if that is the, the, the path that a, a young woman takes, She's accused of supporting an oppressive system of male patriarchy. 
In the Bible, we're taught something quite different. In fact, it's totally the opposite. We're taught that motherhood is a high calling, not something to look down on as inferior, but something to elevate and to honor. And so today, we honor the mothers who are here today. We honor you. We honor the life of sacrifice that you live. I want to look at four things about motherhood today from the Word of God. We'll start in Genesis chapter 1 today. Some of you may have never heard uh, these things before that I'm going to read to you this morning. So it'll be new to you. Some of you have heard this before many times, and so it'll be just a reminder. Genesis chapter 1 tells us the story of God creating the heavens and the earth. The Bible starts with this great declaration, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want you to know that God is the creator of everyone and everything. God brought everything into existence by speaking it into existence. There was a point in time when nothing existed but God himself. God is the original uncaused cause. He, he is eternally self-existent. God has revealed himself to humanity with the name Yahweh, which means I am that I am. God cannot be described, he cannot be compared to anything or anyone else. Any description of God where we would try to say, well, God is like this or God is like that, it would be lowering God uh, from, from where he is to, to that description of him. The only way to describe God, he can only be described by himself. He says, I am that I am, eternally self-existent. The Bible calls this holy all-powerful, all-knowing, eternally self-existent. All of existence brought into, uh, into reality in obedience to the word that he spoke. Genesis 1 tells us the story of God creating the heavens and the earth. Verse 3, it says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was no argument, there was no debate in heaven. Well, should there be light and how should light be and, and when should light come? No, as soon as God spoke, let there be light, there was light. As the story unfolds, God, uh, in verse 26, it is the crown of God's creation. As he says this, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the rest of creation, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the rest of creation. In Genesis chapter 2, it, it, it gets very specific. It, it tells in great detail the events surrounding God creating man and woman. 
In verse 18, God said, it is not good that man should be alone. Can I get an amen from the men? So I will make him a helper fit for him. In verse 20, uh, in verse 21, it says that there was no helper fit for him, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up in its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Verse 31 of chapter 1, it goes back and it says that the Lord God said everything that he had, saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. God's creation, God's design is very good. The first thing you need to see about motherhood is that it is part of God's good design. Motherhood is part of God's good design. In the very first page of your Bible, you see motherhood. You say, well, well where do you see that? Well, I see it here where it says God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. There's motherhood right there. There's motherhood right there. There's no being fruitful. There's no multiplication of, of humanity, of mankind, without motherhood. Motherhood is right there on the, the very first pages of your Bible. God created humanity in his image, but he also created humanity male and female. There is a difference between men and women. I don't know if you've noticed that. We live in a culture today that is trying to tell us, trying to get us to believe the impossible, that there is no difference between men and women. We live in a culture today that is trying to tell us that gender is fluid, whatever that means. I'm sorry, but gender and sexuality are good and they are God's idea. They're God's idea. Men and women are different, and this is a good thing. Gender, sexuality are not social constructs. What do I mean by that? That's not, they're not something that we created, humanity created. We didn't come up with womanhood. We didn't come up with manhood. We didn't come up with fatherhood. We didn't come up with motherhood. Fatherhood, motherhood, male, female, this comes from God. And it is part of his design that he called very good. Very good. The differences between men and women, between fathers and mothers, 
are important and they are very good. Now, the loudest voices speaking today in our culture about gender and sexuality are trying to, again, convince us that there is no difference between men and women. That anyone can declare themselves to be one or the other. That is not true. How can I say that? Well, because of what God's word says. It is God who makes us male and female. If you are a man here today, it's because God made you a man. If you are a woman here today, it's because God made you a woman in his image. The Bible in the book of Psalms says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. There's no accident that you are a man. It's no accident that you are a woman. Your parents may have even, uh, you, you may have been an accident to your parents, but you're not an accident to God. There are accidental pregnancies, but there are no accidental people. Every person knit together by God in their mother's womb. And when you come out on that, your first birthday, and you come out and they say, you hold you up, at least they did for my kids, it's a girl. How do they know? There are some very obvious indicators. These loud voices that are trying to convince us of the impossible are coming from people, listen to this, this is so important that you get this. They're coming from people who totally reject the idea of God as creator. You need to understand this. Those who are trying to convince that that gender is fluid and that you can go from one day being a man and next day I'm a woman and I feel like being a man again today and all back and forth or that, or that you could get a surgery that would somehow change that. All of those voices that are, are, are communicating that in our culture today, those are coming from people who reject God as creator. They're coming from a worldview that does not believe that God is the creator of everyone and everything. They're coming from a worldview that believes that all of existence came when nothing exploded. Now, I've seen things explode before. I'm looking forward to the 4th of July. I'm going to make some things explode. But you know what I've never seen? I've never seen nothing explode have you ever seen nothing explode? No, why? Because nothing doesn't explode. It's insanity. It's insanity. And so, but the, the worldview that rejects male and female, that rejects fatherhood, motherhood, that rejects uh, uh, God's design for gender and sexuality, it, it's not coming from a place who fear God and who view him as the creator. It's coming from a worldview that espouses that nothing exploded 
And then after the course of billions of years of molecules just smashing into each other, that somehow life came about. You know what I've also never seen? I've never seen something dead come alive. Have you ever seen that? I've seen a lot of living things die. Every plant I've ever owned. (laughs) But I've never seen a plant come back to life that was dead. I've been with people who have passed on to be with the Lord. Listen, life does not spring forth from things that are not living. In in Genesis 2, it says that God formed Adam out of the dust of the earth and that he was there lifeless until God, the author and giver of life, breathed his life into Adam and at that point, humanity became a living soul. Life does not spring forth from things that don't live. Life only springs forth from life. The reason you are alive is because we serve, because there is a living God. There is no life without a living God. So this world today that that rejects God as creator ultimately has to reject God and his word. This is the result of secularism. All of the confusion today around gender and sexuality, all of it is a result of secularism, humanism, which rejects God as creator and ultimately has to then reject his word. And when you do that, the result is sexual and gender confusion and perversion. And if you want to read more about that, you can read it in Romans chapter 1. To the point today, we're so confused about these things in our culture that we have politicians calling for the government to pay for transgender women to get abortions. That's politicians today calling for the government to pay for biological men to have abortions. It's beyond crazy. And this is what happens when a society unhitches itself from the word of God. Well, what is the truth? There is no no basis for truth. There's no more basis for reality. You reject God himself, who is the, the basis of all reality. What do you have left? You have nothing left but chaos and confusion, and that's what we happen to have today, and it's destroying people's lives. It's destroying people's lives. So we need to know that motherhood is a part of God's good design. And so we as God's people, we as people who not only believe that God is the creator of everyone and everything, but we also believe that humanity is broken and fallen because of sin, but that Jesus came as God's son, that the creator entered into his creation the greatest miracle there ever was, the incarnation, Jesus, God, the God in the flesh, the man, God the man walking around among us, 
laying down his life to pay the price for our sin to redeem us, why would we as Christians entertain any of what the world has to say about gender and sexuality? We should reject it wholesale. That includes partaking in and participating in any entertainment that espouses these virtues and values. Thank you, two people. We as God's people must make sure that we do not let the world's confusion into our homes and into our church. There is a different, there is difference between male and female. The, the, there is an important role that the father plays, but there's also an important role that the mother plays. And they are both vital and they are different. They're not the same. And children need both. Children don't need two dads. Children don't need two moms. Or like the news story I read the other day, three dads. And the results are clear. If, if, if you look at the, the sociological studies, the, the, the children that grow up to, you know, kind of have their life in order and put things together and, and go on to, you know, not destroy the world and be a plague on society, they, they typically, generally have a stable household with a mother and a father. That's, that's empirical data. Even if you don't want to believe the Bible, you can look at the data on what produces healthy children, and it is always a healthy marriage and a healthy mother and a healthy father. The greatest blessing a child can have is to have godly parents. The greatest blessing a child can have is to have godly parents, to have a godly mother and a godly father. It's the greatest blessing. It's better than getting a free ride to some prestigious school. It's better than being born into a, a family that has multi-generations of massive wealth. The greatest blessing a child can have is to have a healthy family life and to have godly father, godly mother. And what that means, mother and father, is that when you then pursue God, when you pursue godliness, when, when you pursue righteousness and holiness, you bless your children. I'll say that again. Because the greatest blessing a child could ever have would be a godly father and mother. When you as a father or mother pursue righteousness and holiness, pursue godliness, you bless your children. The greatest blessing in my life was that I had godly parents, was that I had a godly father and a godly mother. And this is part of God's 
good design. We need to recognize that the role of the mother is different from the role of the father. Both are important, both are vital, but that they are different. Amen. The second thing we need to know about motherhood is that children are a blessing, not a burden. Flip over to Psalm 127 with me. You know, there's some people here right now who are thinking, how in the world can you possibly teach on motherhood? You're not a mother. Some of you are thinking that right now. Just because I haven't had the experience doesn't mean that I can't tell you the truth. We live in a world that says, unless you've had the same experience as me, you have no authority. Actually, God's authority is above every authority and actually above every experience. So, again, I've, I've never been a mother. But I can share the truth of God's word with you. So that's how I can do that. Because it's not what I say. It's what God's word says. That's all that matters. Psalm 127, verse 3. Behold, look, pay attention to, examine this, believe this. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. That word heritage means blessing. It means gift from God. It doesn't say, behold, children are a burden from the Lord. A blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. Children are a blessing, not a burden. We live in a world, our culture views children not as a blessing, but as a burden. How do I know this? Because every time I go out to eat, someone comes up to my table just about. Waiter, waitress, some other people in the restaurant, they come over. Are these all your kids? I only have four. We only have four. I, I grew up in a family of five, five boys, so family of seven. Every time we went out to eat with my family, waiter, waitress, some other random person comes by, are these all your kids? That's, it's comical, but it's the fruit of a society and culture that doesn't view children as a blessing. They think it's crazy that someone would have four kids or five kids. I was at the park the other day, and there's a Jewish family that came, and there was a lot of kids. 
and I was standing there pushing Charity, my three-year-old, on the swing, and, and the father came up, and, and he was pushing his kid, and I asked him, I said, you know, we got, we got to talking, and I said, how many kids do y'all have? And I, I'll be honest with you, the result I was expecting was him to say the number and him to say, oh, man, we've got so-and-so amount of kids, and you know, it's, it's wonderful to be a parent, but, you know, it's a lot of kids. And that's what I was expecting because there was a lot of kids. But listen to what he said. He said, we have eight children. Thanks be to God. He, he by, that, by that phrase, he, he rebuked me. He rebuked me. He, he, he as a Jew, is a, he, he is a, they're, they're Orthodox Jews. That they are trained, their mind, their thinking is trained by the word of God. Now, I'm also praying that the Lord would open the door that I could share with him a one day about the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ our Lord. But he, he, he rebuked me by saying, we have eight children, thanks be to God. We live in a culture and society that does not view children as a blessing. How can I say that? Well, any culture that allows a mother to murder her unborn child is a culture that does not view children as a blessing. Any culture that is pushing for partial birth abortions is not a culture that views children as a blessing. Any culture that views children as, as, uh, as something that would stop a woman from fulfilling her full potential in life, therefore she can terminate the life of her child, does not view children as a blessing. We need to, as God's people, realize that children are a blessing, not a burden. Now, is raising kids hard work? Absolutely. Absolutely. No one is denying that raising children is hard work. No one's denying that it requires hours and hours of self-sacrifice and toil and giving of yourself and pouring of your life into them. No one is denying that it's hard. But just because something is hard doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. We live in a culture that is afraid of hard work. Just because it is hard doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. In fact, the hardest things are the things that pay off the most. Think of the cross of Christ. Think of Jesus suffering, bleeding, dying. Was it hard work? Think of Jesus having the sin of the world laid upon him, your sin, my sin laid upon him. Was it hard? It was the hardest thing that's ever been done or will ever be done in the history of the world. Our sin burden laid upon him, but the Bible says that because of God's great love for us, Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. Jesus didn't 
reject the cross. Jesus didn't say, oh, it's too much work. It's not worth it. Is, is, is being a mother hard work? I would say it is one of the hardest jobs on the face of the earth. But it's also one of the most important jobs on the planet. It is a blessing. Is it hard? Yes, it's hard. But anything that produces anything of value in life is hard work. And I believe honestly that there is no higher endeavor, no higher calling than to raise children to love and serve the Lord Jesus. Number one, being a mom, it's part of God's good design. Number two, children are a blessing, not a burden. Number three, mothers, imparting your faith to your children is your top priority. Imparting your faith into your children is your top priority. In Acts chapter 16, we don't have time to go there and read it today, but Acts chapter 16, it tells the story of Paul and Silas. They're on a missionary journey. They stop in two towns, Lystra and Iconium, and there's a young man there that catches Paul's eye. He, he stands out among the crowd. He, he stands out to Paul. His name is Timothy. And si Timothy, he stands out to Paul and Silas in such a way that they say, we, we want to take him along with us in the ministry. It tells us in this passage, Acts 16, that this young man, Timothy, his father is not a, a Christian. His father is not a believer. His father is a Greek. He, he doesn't love and serve the Lord. His mother and grandmother, however, are faithful women of God. And in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 5, I'm going to flip over there and read that quickly. Paul tells Timothy, he says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. Though Timothy had an unbelieving father, he had a mother and grandmother who were women of faith. And they imparted their faith to, to their son and grandson, Timothy. And they did it in such a way that when Paul and Silas come through that town doing ministry there, they're so taken by this young man. Were there other young, men's, other young men in Lystra and Iconium? Of course there were. But they had, this grandmother and mother had imparted their faith into their son and grandson in such a way that Timothy rose above everybody else. And so being a mother, there's a lot to being a mother. There, there's a lot of tasks. There's a lot that falls on your shoulders. It's, it's a lot to carry. And by God's grace, he gives you the ability to do it. But the number one thing that you can never lose sight of in all of the midst of the daily ins and outs is imparting my faith to my children is my top priority. Don't lose sight of that goal. Don't lose sight of that goal. 
Titus chapter 2, it talks about a woman working hard, a mom working hard in the home to, to make it a place, really a sanctuary where Jesus is central, where God's word can be taught and your faith can be lived out. That the, the, the role of the mother is, is to nurture and to, to raise up the children and to teach them God's word and to create an environment in the home where Jesus is central. Not Netflix is central, not YouTube is central. We're not letting Netflix raise our children. What, what kind of children will we have if we let the world raise our kids? We'll have a bunch of worldly kids, right? There's an indoctrination that is happening in the school systems today. That means that there needs to be at least, if not more, happening in the home of Christian indoctrination, teaching your children the word of God. This is a job for both fathers and mothers, but, but the mom creates this environment in the home where the word of God is central, where Jesus is central, where the most important thing is passing the faith on to the next generation. That's the most important thing. There's a lot to do as moms, amen. But we can't lose sight of the main thing. We gotta keep that in the forefront. The fourth thing, number one, it's part of God's good design. Number two, children are a blessing, not a burden. Number three, imparting your faith in Jesus is the top priority. And number four, it is worth it. It is worth it. The rewards you reap from being a godly mother are eternal rewards. Flip over last verse today, Proverbs chapter 31. Proverbs chapter 31 tells us the story of a godly mother. I want to look at the end of this chapter, verse 28. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Oh, that every young girl would learn this verse. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Her children rise up and honor her and call her blessed. I want to encourage the moms here today. Pursue godly motherhood. P pursue it. Chase after it. D divorce yourself from the ideas and the ideology of the world that says that for you to be successful, you must forsake your family and go out into the world and earn a bunch of money. That's the world's way. 
pursue being a godly wife and mother. The rewards are eternal. It's part of God's good design. I know taking care of kids can sometimes be overwhelming, but they are a blessing. You're raising up a generation of world changers, of people who will take the kingdom of God and the gospel of Jesus and move it forward. Have that vision for your children. Impart your faith into them. Teach them the word of God. Teach them the gospel. Watch how they receive that and how their lives will bear it out and bear good fruit. I believe that it will. Amen. As you sow those seeds in faith. And we're here to say amen and go for it, moms. I know we got some single moms in the church. It's an extra burden that you carry. Get your kids to church. Get your kids to youth group. We got a, we got a church full of godly fathers who can put their arm around and come alongside and work together. But get your kids, keep your kids in the house of God. Raise them in the word of God. The Bible says that God's word does not return void. Being a mother, a godly mother, it is a, it is a lifestyle of faith. God, I'm taking you at your word and I'm trusting in you. And watch what God will do. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word. It is the truth. It is a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, I thank you for each mother who is here today. I pray that you, your special blessing would be upon them. Lord, that as they endeavor, as they seek to, as they walk out their faith every day as moms, as they put their faith into practice, as they display it before their children, Lord, that you would cause their work to be fruitful and to bear good fruit in your kingdom. Lord, I thank you that, Holy Spirit, you are the helper. And so, uh, Lord, when we need help, we look to you and we cry out for help, and you come and you help us because you are the helper. Lord, I thank you that you come alongside all the mothers and you give them help and you give them strength and you give them wisdom. Lord, I thank you for the godly mothers that we have in this church, women of God, Lord, who are the pillars for the next generation. Lord, that their children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren will look at and see the great legacy of faith that they are building right now, that these mothers will be the great pillars of the faith that the next generation stands upon. Lord, help us to uh, cleanse our mind of the world's way of thinking and let us have minds trained in your word to bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you.